All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. All right, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill. Today we've got Ken, 69th Blizzard. Hello. Lonnie, St. Louis KISS. What's up? Who's on mute? I, I heard so. him. No, he's not. I heard him. I heard him. Oh, shit. Ah. Can't I hear anyone again already? <laughs> Julian right, again. So it, hopefully people can hear me while I sort out my fucking audio problems. <laughs> um, and Marcus Almighty. Greetings. And so we're going to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the debut Kiss album, or we're going to attempt to. Mm-hmm. So before we get into any of that, let's start with an ad. Okay, this is a radio spot from Warner Reprise. Very cool. Its number is NB9001. <clears throat> the artist is Kiss. The album is Kiss. It's a 60-second spot. From quarter-inch tape. Ooh, quarter-inch tape. You must remember this. A kiss okay. is just okay. a kiss. But this okay. one's something else, sweetheart. <laughs> Baby, Introducing the kiss that gets you, Angel. Kiss, a new group, a new album on Casablanca Records and Tapes. All right, that's a very, very dated sounding ad, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, this album immediately. Yes. I'm having so many audio problems with fucking StreamYard today. This is un, unreal every every time I play everything. So um, I want to thank everyone who's taking the time to join us live today. Obviously, we do this shit live, and sometimes we have issues. So uh, I'm just going to keep fighting through it. That ad, really fucking dated, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very dated. Hopefully that was new to someone out there, but it's been around for a while. That was actually a reel that I found uh, donkeys years ago. You know, today is the end of the 50th anniversary of the release of the album. I'm going to play a five minute video in a couple of minutes, uh, but let's just go around with what the debut kiss album means to each of us. You know, we're going to be refocusing on several albums this year. And we've talked about these albums before we've done rankings. We've got a new way of doing our rankings. Um, you know, so just it's a different way to frame the conversation of the album. Yeah, original CD issue. That's what I've still got. I don't even have a remaster anymore, which is kind of embarrassing. Lonnie, what does the debut mean to you? You know, it's a big deal. It's it's the start of everything, you know, that, that came afterwards. It's um it, it's one of the it's it's one of the reasons that it's one of the bigger reasons that we all are Kiss fans is that is that first album and those core songs that are on that album. I mean, the first time I saw the band, um, it was on the reunion tour in '96. They played six of those ten songs. I mean, they're they're such core. They're such a, a core of 
of who they are. And then even on, you know, this, this last tour, they, they still played um, several songs off that album. Maybe not as much as maybe some would like, maybe no, we were still one of those six songs at least, or, or more off of that album. But it, it's the reason that we're Kiss fans is that is that first album and everything that came afterwards. And re-listening to it this week, I'm just like, you know what? It is really good. We'll get into it, but like everybody dogs on the production of it of those first couple albums, but it's it stands up. It's it's abs- it's actually fantastic. So talking about production, that's a nice segue, Mark. What does the debut Kiss album mean to you on its fiftieth anniversary? Um, I, I think I can echo a lot of what Lonnie said. I mean, it is uh, the start of the whole journey for the band. Uh, I think that, um, you know, for, for a first record, believe me, there's been a lot worse debut records, even production wise than that. So there's nothing really to be too embarrassed about, but I mean, obviously, you know, the, the problem is that when we got alive, we heard these songs in such a bombastic capacity that when sometimes when they go back to this version of it, it sometimes seems a little, you know, under under fueled a little bit but it, it is a great album like Lonnie said they played a lot of this material still live even to this to, to their last days they played a lot of these songs so I mean in a lot of ways it's almost looked at as a greatest hits album on its first record so I, I really I really enjoyed it I mean I, I listened to it again a couple of times uh, recently on my turntable and you know it, it's 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 great I mean it, it you know being a musician and a guy who does his own records and stuff like that, of course, you can't help but nitpick the little things here and there sonically. But overall, it's it's a great record. Songs are good, and I got to say, it's it's probably my favorite record with as far as Gene's voice is concerned. I think he sounded the best on this record. Nice, I, you know, I'll echo some of what you said as well. You know, uh, for me, this is the home. This is the first two songs I ever heard from Kiss come from this album. Uh, so it is my first kiss, whether or not it didn't make me a fan at the time is irrelevant. They are my first kisses, no matter what. Um, you know, the whole album, it, you know, just thinking that it's 50 years. Album, yeah. It holds up pretty well. Lonnie said it too. They played four songs from this album at the final show in December. And I, I think in the video that I, I'm uh, going to play after Ken's commented, you know, I, I say... Ace played two songs off it, you know, last week or when I recorded the video, you know, on his on his current tour. So the songs stand up, but I think Alive does change our perception of the material because of the bombastic sound that it has. But you know what? Listening to this album to to prepare for this celebration episode, you know, again, it made me smile and it made me remember why I smile about Kiss, why I love this band. It's a very, very strong foundation of an album, no matter what nitpicking we may be able to come up with today when we go through it, uh, through a whole bunch of different angles. Ken, what about for you? Yeah, well, I echo everything you guys say, plus the fact that, uh, you know, with all these great songs, you know, you you can understand why Neil Bogart signed them based on the quality of these songs, um, even though he probably, you know, he heard the demo that was produced by Eddie Kramer uh, and maybe, you know, they should have probably had Eddie Kramer produce it. Maybe those, some of those songs would have, you know, had a little bit more 
you know, Mark was saying they're kind of, you know, not up to snuff or they're, I, I guess you could call it undercooked, mm-hmm. you know, t- to a degree. Uh, I think if Eddie Kramer was there, it would have been even better. But having said that, those, those core songs, like Lonnie said, are just, they're all, they're all great. And that's why they play them, you know, all the time throughout, you know, from the beginning to the end. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's one of my favorite albums, definitely, um, just based on the material that's on it. Well, I mentioned that I've prepared a video, and it's why are we celebrating the release date on February the 8th? Let's put it to rest once and for all what day the album came out on. Um, and, you know, this is the drum solo of the show, and we're going to put it at the beginning. So five minutes right. and 24 seconds if you need a pee break and don't want to hear me waffle. Go. Welcome to a Quick and Dirty History of why we're celebrating the release of Kiss's debut album today. On February the 8th. So it's not to trigger some fans, or maybe just to simply annoy. It's useful to explain that several release dates have been attributed to this majestic release over the years. Does it matter a damn? Ultimately, not one bit. The album was released. And that's all that matters. But the album is important. Four of the songs it contains were performed in December 2023, during Kiss's final show, for what that's worth. Ace Frehley also performed two of the album songs just last week, the one he wrote, and the other one was the very first song he performed during his Kiss audition in December 1972. Well, this monologue isn't about sales, payola, or crapola, or whatever. It's all about those dates, and I promise... Okay, I promise not to turn this into an hour-long sidebar. First, let's talk about the wrong date. Does it matter where it originated? Probably not. Does a difference of 10 days between February the 8th or February the 18th or January the 25th or whatever matter? No, it doesn't. Hell, February the 18th, 1974 was a pretty cool day in history. It was the day of the West Coast press party celebrating the opening of Casablanca's offices in California following the migration from Neil Bogart's penthouse suite in New York City. Neil hired Jules Fisher and Associates to transform the Century Plaza ballroom into the Casablanca film set. Guests abounded, journalists gaggled, and Alice Cooper dropped the legendary lines about bands needing gimmicks. Oh, and Kiss performed a short set that night, torturing many with bludgeoning volume. So it was a good day, either way. Rick Alibert, vice president for promotions at Alcoin Management, perpetuated the date as February the 18th when he was responding to an Australian affiliate's question about the original release dates of KISS albums. In that 1981 telex, he clearly notes February the 18th. Whether the date came from that telex or from other sources, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. I know the FAQ got it wrong at one point, too, as do many others. Again, does it really matter? Whether it's celebrated today or in 10 days, it's going to be celebrated all month. What the hell? Every day is Kiss Day. I guess since I'm making this video, it does kind of matter. Okay. So let's go back to December 1973, following the completion of mixing of the first album sessions. Test pressings, well, they're pressed. On one accompanying data sheet, it notes the release date of January the 25th. Oh, bugger. There's the screaming in the woods again from that silent voice who feels a disturbance in the force. Sorry, dead guy. 
but we kind of know that that date didn't happen since records were being furiously pressed to get them in the hands of the Canadian press in time for the first proper tour. The band departed for the Great White North on February the 3rd. So I guess we're getting warmer, or colder in that case. So why February the 8th? Here's the February the 9th issue of Record World, a trade magazine. Hmm, it's a contemporary source and lists February the 8th. All right, that's one good piece of evidence in the right direction, but it is not conclusive. So let's jump forward to one of the most important moments in history. The trademarking of the makeup designs. It was a drawn-out process that built on the steep learning curve from trying to trademark the KISS logo. The trademarks for the original KISS makeup designs were granted in late 1979, early 1980. Just as example, here's Gene's certificate. Note the first use and first use in commerce dates. They're key. Okay, earlier, and even more importantly, the highly identified KISS logo. It has, on the application, the same first use dates. But let's also remember that trademarking is a legal process. When KISS's lawyers first filed for a registered trademark protection for the logo on June the 17th, 1974, they submitted their evidence for use as five album covers, a logo example, and also a trade ad. That initial application was rejected in December 1974, and the process meant that it wasn't until 1977 that the trademark was finally granted. There's a bunch of reasons for that. It makes for interesting reading if you suffer from insomnia. But let's get back to the February the 8th. Bill O'Coin signed a notarized declaration to the truth of the first use date. There was no other product by KISS being used in interstate commerce bearing the KISS logo other than the LP as of that date. Everything else, in terms of merchandise and product, was yet to come. There is only the album that was available for sale on that date. So whether you celebrate today, tomorrow, next week, this year, last month, whatever, as long as you celebrate, you're part of the eternal rock and roll party. Now back to the show. Onwards and up. All right. I apologize. All right. That was fantastic. Everyone, everyone's like a little awake. Yeah. That was great. Well, sometimes it's just fun to do a little bit of, you know, goofing off like that. Um, I don't want to waste a lot of my life making videos, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, there's one other piece of evidence that people, people are probably going to ask about. What about the copyright of the album itself? There's the copyright registration from 1974. And as someone pointed out on the FAQ, yes, this one does include Kiss in Time. Um, but clearly, the February the 8th initial date of release is also there. No one fucking cares. All right, let's just be absolutely clear. No one gives a flying fuck about when the album came out. Um, <laughs> But because it's been such a discussion over the years that, uh, you know, someone wishes it a happy birthday on the 18th and everyone screams, it came out on the, on the 8th. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake, who gives a flying fuck? So while yeah. we hopefully get Lonnie back, let's get back into, you know, the rankings. Hmm. And this is something new, too. Yeah, so this is a new way of looking at the album, and we've split it up into two main sections. One, we're going to look at the album overall and talk about our, our rankings, um, and then we're going to go song by song, ranking each song by its lyrics, its melody, and our personal taste of the song. So it just gives us a way to kind of separate everything up, give it a number, and... 
Lonnie's Lonnie's like whack-a-mole today. <laughs> I'm staying. I'm going. Um, so let's get into, um, you know, the first metric, which was production. We all gave this a three out of five. Middle of the road, not dreadful, not fantastic. Mark, why? Um, well, I mean, I think we kind of hit, hinted on this or spoke about it when we first talked about this, which is pretty much, I think that the, the, the sonic punch of the songs are just not, it's just not there. I mean, a lot of the songs, their tempos are pretty slow on it. Uh, the guitar doesn't have as much balls to it as it does on later albums. Uh, you know, but, but the, but I'll say this. The production of the vocals is fantastic. The drums sound pretty good, but again, it's it's all tempo. When when you play it that slow, I mean, the, the drumming sounds a little lackadaisical sometimes in there as well. But overall, I think it's it's a, it's a not not too bad a job. I mean, obviously, they liked it enough that they brought them back again for another record, right? But you know, I think that I'm, that there was probably a lot more to that story than just liking their work on it but uh yeah i think overall it just was lacking in some of the uh sonics that it needed i mean like the bass like the bass guitar and not that the bass has ever been a, a standout feature on kiss albums but you know it's it, it's it's okay on this record it's not too bad but even that could have been a little bit more upfront in there mm-hmm. yeah and for me it's very much that it's you know, the production is fine for what it is, but it doesn't jump out at you. It's perfectly adequate and very little else. But for a brand new band, you know, using the house producers at the time, it's mm-hmm. neither, you know, uh, superlative or dire. So it's perfectly middle of the road. Ken? Yeah, I, yeah. I did the middle of the road, you know, score on that. And uh, yeah, it's it's always been a little under, you know, I wouldn't say underproduced, but uh, I think they could have had a little bit, you know, more edge to the sound. Um, you know, if they did something like Rock and Roll Over, you know, that type of sound, that album would have been a lot, you know, sounded a lot better. Plus, well, those couple of songs that are a little slower, like Firehouse and, and uh, you know, Cold Gin, um, I think those obviously became great live. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's okay production, not bad, not good. So that's why it's middle of the road. Yeah. So overall, uh, hopefully Lonnie could re- reconnect. Let's go into cohesiveness of the album. And, you know, when I talk about cohesiveness, I'm only talking about how I think all this, the songs work together. And let me make it absolutely clear. We took Kiss in Time is not in this discussion. So it's only about the original album's format. Ken, how did you approach cohesiveness? Okay, cohesiveness. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty cohesive. I, I, I think my score was kind of uh, on the not high on cohesive. But it's a little off being cohesive just based on, uh, I think, throwing in, you know, the instrumental song. That kind of just threw my cohesiveness out of it. Uh, I think they, if they would have had that song out of there and maybe another song in its place. Um, I think I would have given it just a little bit higher score. Yeah. Mark, what about you? Um, I think overall the record is pretty, 
pretty good cohesive wise i think i mean sure you know kiss the love theme from kiss is always a sort of uh sore spot or whatever on the record but i think beyond that i think that the record is pretty good i think it flows pretty nicely i think it goes with the with the proper opener i think uh even though one might argue that maybe deuce would have been a better opening track for the album but i think the way it is now it's it's good. I, I I like the way. I have really no issues. I think I gave it a four out of five. The cohesiveness part of this, and uh, I don't really have any problem with. It. Like I said, if if it would have been, if love theme would have been out of it, you know, maybe I would have given it a five. But I'm kind of used to it now with love theme in there. To be honest. Yeah, so I give it a four out of five as well, and all three of us did. Lonnie had it five out of five. Loves it. Um, you know, my four out of five is I, the sequencing is fine. Strut is a great leadoff song. Deuce is, I, I think it leads off side B. Um, you know, the sequence is fine. Love theme's fine where it is. It was very, you know, much in the time. But I took off a point simply because they had Watching You and Let Me Go Rock and Roll or Love or. Oh. Uh, you know, baby, let me go at the time, and they didn't record either one of those, and instead included "Love Thing." Stick around a little bit, Lonnie. This time, we'll see. We'll see. All right, we'll promise. Um, we'll promise. Yeah, we're just talking about cohesiveness, and and you gave this perfect five out of five for its cohesiveness. Why? I think the songs just mesh well together. I think this. I think the album just. You know, there's there's albums where like some songs seem off and some songs don't feel like they belong. I feel like like they really had a a purpose and a sense of what they wanted to present, and I think um, the producers did as well. And I think they accomplished that. It doesn't it doesn't jump around. It doesn't have you know the the random power ballad in the middle of it, and that it it is who they are. And I, I think it's an excellent presentation of what the band wanted and what they thought they were in February of 1974. So while you're still here, you can take us into the next category, which is the cover art and packaging. I mean, you also ranked that highly. Why? I think the, I think the cover art is, is perfect as well. I uh, say what you want about the Peter Chris makeup. We'll probably get into that, but it's, I like it. It's it's the, the black background with the four white faces. Now the back album cover does do something to be desired. I will say that, but I'm not talking about the back album cover. I'm talking about the front, the four faces, the white faces with the black background, and it's they're not hiding the makeup. You know what I mean? It's it's here here we are. This is who we are, and it's the the face painted phantoms right there in front of you. Um, I, I, I like I like it. I think it's great. I think it's one of their better album covers. It's it's bold um and it's direct and it says who they are, not only with the picture, but then with the music to back it up. Yeah, I get, I gave it perfect five out of five strictly because of the front cover. I don't I don't care about Peter's makeup. No one knew any different back then. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't enter into the equation. You're seeing the Meet the Beatles for the 70s, you know, and riffing off that that kind of just pose, which is very cool. So I, I don't care about the back cover. I don't care about the packaging. It is simply, it is so identifiable. I don't want to use the word iconic, but it really is. Mark, you don't rank it very highly in comparison. No, no. I mean... 
<laughs> you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that the Peter Chris makeup does bother me because you know the thing is I didn't that wasn't my first album. You know, I got I was into Kiss much later, so you know, and I I was I was very familiar with albums like Rock and Roll Over because of my sister Jane and you know Destroyer and Love Gun and stuff like that. So when I saw that album cover, I'm like, who's that? I took a look at I had to take a double look there to see it because it looked it looks really different compared to his normal makeup, and. Even Gene's bat wing thing there, it doesn't look the same as he has it later on. It's a, a bit thicker. And and also, I mean, I was never a big Beatles fan. I got into the Beatles a lot, a lot later in life than, you know, than in my younger years. And when I saw that cover, because I, I was very familiar with the Beatles. My my sister was into the Beatles and stuff like that. And she had a lot of her records too. So right away, I kind of, I, there was a familiarity with that pose there. There was a lot, it was very Beatles to me. And I was kind of like rolled my eyes because of that back then. But, you know, it, look, it's, it's a first album cover, you know, they, they, they were still working on their makeup as they were, you know, probably getting ready for this album. So I don't even think they even knew what their final thing was. I mean, didn't Paul still kind of, switch between the bandit and the star even at this point still like it almost seems like you know he didn't even know what he was going to be at this point so i i don't think it's a masterful cover by any stretch in my opinion right but if you'd bought it on february the 8th 1974 you wouldn't have known the difference yeah but i didn't so that's how there i voted go. on it right ken you're middle of the road you're you're basically three out of five is saying meh yeah well i'm not saying <laughs> meh but uh yeah that that album cover kind of turned me off when i first saw it when it was first presented the until, clown you know thing, right? a year yeah i thought there was you know clowns right kind of why are clowns playing rock and roll <laughs> that's what i thought i, I went to have my friend's house i was like what what the heck i didn't listen to the music they didn't play it but uh that was it i i didn't see you know i would have loved to have seen the back cover with them with their you know the makeup of course but with their full you know, uh, outfits, stage outfits. I mean, that would have been uh, like, I would have, you know, perked up and say, Oh, what is, what is that? You know, that's interesting. You know, um, they will, they wouldn't look like clowns. You know, you could expect the underneath the, underneath the, uh, makeup. If you just see the face, you know, are you going to, you know, are they going to be, you know, wearing Bozo the clown outfits or something? You, know? <laughs> you should have seen, you should have seen the tiny car. They right. rolled up to the photo. So, so that, that's the only thing that really bought. I mean, Peter Chris's makeup, that's fine. I, I thought that was kind of weird when I went back from the, cause I got into them 77, went back. So oh, that's kind of strange makeup um, on that. But, and then they should have had probably lyrics on the, on the inner, you know, if you're going to talk about packaging overall, I would have had that too, but. Yeah, I mean, middle of the road on that. It's not the best cover. It's not the worst. Yeah, by the way, that scarf looks really good behind you. Really nice. It is. It is. It really is cool. And yeah. nice. They did a good job. All right. Choice of singles. I abs- I savaged it. Uh, I think I, I went full mark mode on this because <laughs> leading off with nothing to lose as the single <laughs> is just asinine when, you know, you've got Strutter. When you've got Deuce, when you you kind of got better songs. I mean, Strutter was the third single, and it, by then it was too late and it was pointless. We're not talking about that second single in the middle, um, recorded specially, but nothing to lose as the debut single from this band. I think does them an injustice when you're leading off your album with Strutter. It should have matched up, Lonnie. I said I gave it a three out of five. I said it. I gave it a a meh. I guess. 
Um, <laughs> Man, I like I like um, nothing to lose. It's it's a great song, and and we'll get into it when we when we go through them song for songs. But as far as a lead single goes, I'm I'm with Julian. You you had your pick of two of the most. Cl- Two of the most classic songs ever of Deuce and Strutter, and you went with Nothing to Lose, which is a great song in its own right and, and a fun song at that. Um, but it, it's confusing that, that that that's the direction that they took. Um, it could have been, you know, it, it could have been better. It, it, I guess it could have been worse, but it could have been lots better. There's a reason you put Strutter as the first song on the album, but you don't go with it the to be the lead single, so it's a little confusing. Yeah. Mark? Well, one thing that kind of sticks out about this, them picking out Nothing to Lose, clearly the people in the record label didn't read the lyrics thoroughly, because uh, if they would have, if they would have, I don't think they would have selected that as the first single, uh, talking about some backdoor action there. But, you know, I, I think that uh, overall, I think they probably picked it because... It it does have potential from the sense that you know it has a, that piano figure in there that it almost has like a, like a hand clapping kind of good feel to it when when you listen to it. I guess that when they listened to it, they probably envisioned that working on radio. But I agree. I, I think Strutter or even Deuce would have been a much stronger lead off track, and I think it would have made uh, it would have made their. Uh, sound or people would have got their sound a lot better if they would have went with those ones because I mean when you listen to them live they're they're a pretty hard rocking band I think that nothing to lose is bordering a little bit near the pop area a little bit compared to something like Deuce or something like that you know I think Deuce has a lot more balls to it so but you know I'm, I was always amazed that they picked that first one when you think of the lyrical content of that song yeah Ken what do you say I say I hear somebody paging through a book. No, I'm just looking to see. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I didn't know. yeah, they did. They did, ha- they did have the lyrics, Mark. Oh, there you go. Oh, well, they didn't understand them, I guess, <laughs> for some reason. I don't know how. Uh, yeah, mine was a three out of five also. Um, yeah, that doesn't – it didn't make sense at all to have that as a first single. Yes, I agree, Strutter – uh, should have been it probably. Uh, even uh, let me know possibly. Um, I my filing. They could have also done a you know a edited down version of Black Diamond. They could have done an edited version you uh, know for radio kind of thing. Um, it might have worked. I don't know, but uh, I think the back Strutter door. Let me know would have been they're more radio friendly. <laughs> So. Yes. So when I rifled through those notes, um, they actually underlined backdoor. So, oh, nice. Yeah, I think that was Eddie Kramer actually from Alive the, the, when they did uh, edits. Um, so overall, you know, we uh, calculate this by taste. Everyone likes this album. The taste score is very simple. It's either one point for don't like, two points for meh, um, or I don't have an opinion or three points for like. So when we rank this album overall, uh, Mark gave it a grand total of 36 points. Ken gave it grand total of 39 points. I gave it 42. And Lonnie loves, loves, loves Kiss with 45 points. What's, what's, the, wow. most, what's the most points if it was perfect? 
If it was perfect, it would be 5, 10, 15, 20. It would be 60 points. 60. So yeah. 30, oh, that's interesting. So 30, 36 okay, out of 60, Mark. That makes it <laughs> look... Uh, it's at a no, C minus. Dang, Mark. <laughs> Well, the, the cover art really dropped it. You know, the, the cover art really brought that score down. You know, if they would have so, might on... be grading on a curve even for Mark. So clearly, well, I mean, people are on. still listening with their eyes, right? Is that what you're saying? Listening with yeah, their eyes. Well, yeah. Right. I mean, you, you know, I mean, the, 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 what's inside there counts more. I have to agree with that. But when we did this ranking, I always thought that that was the interesting part of it is how, because I love this record, it is in my top five. Right. But after mm-hmm. we looked at the scores, I kind of st- thought to myself, wow, for a record, it's that high in my personal ranking. It doesn't seem that high in the numerical sense, but, you know, that cover killed it for me. Otherwise, otherwise, most of it was like, you know, I had a four out of five and the rest of them were pretty much threes. So it wasn't that bad. A score. Can you imagine if Mark was a teacher? The kid hands in his 10,000 word <laughs> essay and Mark says, I don't like that comma at the end. F. Yeah. I don't like the way you look. Do it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the, the song, the, the track by track. Um, first song is obviously going to be Strutter, but let's just start this off with a simple question. Is Strutter the most fucking perfect opening track for the debut Kiss album? Or could you think of anything else on this album that would have made a better opening song? Mark, who spends a lot of time sequencing album, this is probably something... Uh, Let's go to you first on. I I I love this song. I think that's a it's a great opener. I mean, I think when I ranked this song, I think that the only thing that I gave a kind of middle of the road marks for were, were lyrics. But other than that, I think that this song is is great. I mean, I've always enjoyed it, and I, I've defended this this song quite a bit. I mean, I remember one time I went to this music store that, that's near my house. And uh, there was this well-known musician guy who was in this popular Toronto band. He came in, and the guy who was running the store put Strutter on on the on the rate on the CD player. And when the, the drum fill comes up with a, dit, 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 he was he's listening to it, and he was there, you know, talking. And then that second time that fill comes around, he's, when he just does the, dit, 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 he's like, he looks at the guy, and goes, "Who's that drummer?" And he goes, Peter Chris. He goes, wow, he sucks at drum fills. You know, and I go, and we were like, wait, what are you talking about, man? I go, this is a great song. So we were defending that song left and right. But, you know, you got to remember back in the 90s and 80s, you know, Peter Chris's drumming, you know, wasn't exactly, you know, top top shelf drumming. But that song is great. I'll always defend it top to bottom. You know, I, I always think it's a great opener. And I think it should always be known as a great opening track. Nice. Lonnie. I think it's a great opening track as well. The only other possibility for me would have been Deuce. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, uh, but I think Shutter works um, very well. I, I think it's a, it's a great intro to the band on their first album, what the band's all about. Um, great sounding, you know, track with, you know, great guitars and, 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 and Peter's signature drum sound. I, I, I think it's great. I mean, I the, like I said, the only the only one thing I would possibly flip it for is Deuce, but I think you you flip the album over and 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 you have that. Yeah, just do a Ken. Play the wrong side first. Ken, there you go. Anything yeah. better than Strutter for the opening track? And then we'll get into the rankings. Not really, but it just made me think a little bit more about that when you asked the question uh, because I thought, what well, what if they would have pulled a I want you kind of thing? 
and they threw Black Diamond at the beginning. And then, you know, you get that little metal beginning and, and you go, one, you know, one, two, three, hit it. Boom, comes in. You'll be, oh, you know, kind of like how I felt when I first heard I Want You, when I first heard Rock and Roll Over. Uh, it was like, wow, you know, and that's what that would be an interesting idea. Of course, minus the droning long end, ending, I would have had a, like a, you know, a hard cutoff on the ending okay. of that song. All right, so rankings. Let's start with uh, the least to the to the most favoritist. Uh, Mark, starting with you. Lyrics. You gave it points off for lyrics. Why? I, don't, I mean, it's, it's you know, there were never lyrics that connected with me at all. I mean, I just kind of thought that they were, and I know that they were young then. So, so for me to say that they were juvenile is not going to make any sense because they were young. <clears throat> but you know, I, I think let's put it this way. I think there are better lyrics on this record. Musically, the song is is a, is is mint, okay. But lyrically, you know, it, it could have been better. I mean, you know, the producer could have came in and helped out a bit. I think with that one, that's just my opinion. Yeah. So my answer is no. I wouldn't pick uh, Deuce Over Strutter for the opener. Um, Ken and Lonnie, you both marked it the same. You gave it four out of five on both mm-hmm. lyrics and melody, and you both like it. So Lonnie, to you pretty darn good you know it's 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 fun it's fun the lyrics are fun um it's something that you know it is looking at a girl and idolizing a girl seeing her on the street i mean what what young red-blooded american can't relate to something like that yeah so and not even american i'll even throw the canadians in there too for you mark of course Um, you know I, i who can't who can't relate to something like that so I, I think it's I think it's 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 fun. I mean, it, it's something that you know I'm that and, and, and it's catchy. Like I remember being a kid, like a kid singing Strutter. You know what I mean? I mean, I remember being eight, nine, ten years old. You know, singing Strutter because it was catchy and it, and yeah. it was just poppy and fun. So and then you know even today I'm like, well, you can still relate to it. I mean, any guy can still relate to Strutter. So I, I think it's just, it's timeless. So the lyrics are good. They're four to five, you know, it's not perfection, but it's pretty darn good. Ken? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you can picture in your mind, I guess, per se, you know, the girls strutting down the street and that sort of stuff. Um, definitely when I was younger, when I first heard it, I thought, oh yeah, this is pretty darn good. Um, but yeah, it's not uh any crazy, you know, deep meaning to it, uh, lyrics. So uh, just, you know, four out of five is pretty good. So, so I can get, you know, enjoy it. I enjoy it enough. Yeah. I gave this uh perfection points. Um, and that's my only note for it is it is perfection. When you think about the opening sequence to, I think Saturday night fever, John Travolta walking down, you know, with that, that swagger with the paint can and you yeah. think of a New York vibe strutter total yeah. early seventies, New York vibe uh, yeah. to me. And it encapsulates so much of, you know, what I kind of experienced coming to America in 78. So I, I think it's a, I think it's a perfect song. Um, just love it. And that's probably why I'm so upset that it wasn't performed in December. Um, hmm. Moving on to nothing to lose from least to greatest. Mark, we're going to start with you again. You, you're really not convinced of this lyrically or melodically why 
honestly, this is I don't look. I don't mind this song, but I mean, when, when I'm comparing it to the other songs on this record, it's just it, it it just doesn't have the same impact to me as a song like Cold Gin or a song like Hundred Thousand Years or a song like Deuce. The, the, this song to me seems really like you know. Like how we talk about Gene songs later on in the years, how he flips through his book and oh, I have a song here, you know, like that's the kind of thing I almost kind of envision with this. I mean, even when I hear them do it on the in concert, you know, it never really struck me as that great. You know, I mean, it's even on a live, I think it's one of the weaker songs off of this album live, even, you know, it's it's just not I don't think it's in the same league as the rest of the songs on here. Yeah, I wasn't too far off your points for the the song, and my notes simply say the only reason I'm giving this song this many points is because of Peter Chris's vocals um, mm. on it, you know, which yeah. really add a nice seasoning um, and change the dynamics. But as a song, melodically and lyrically, it does not do much for me, and it's meh in terms of all the other songs on the album. Ken. Yeah, I gave it a three for the lyrics and the melody, so it's not, it's in the middle again. Um, I kind of dinged it, definitely dinged it for the uh, the sneakiness of the back door <laughs> lyrics. It's but, not twenty twenty four back then. <laughs> yeah. That's true. It wasn't it wasn't there? I think I probably thought it was a real back door. Uh, you know, what I mean. Um, <laughs> Imagine the lyrics versus a garage, a garage door, or front door. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good song, but again, it's it's not one of their best or worst on the album kind of thing. It's just the middle of the road for me. I mean, I like it. I like it. Actually, I like it alive. I like when you know Peter Chris sings that. So um, it's it's a lot better live. Like a lot of their songs. All right, this one, this next one is the one that Lonnie likes the most out of the four of us, and it's the first of four songs that Lonnie likes more than the rest of us, according Ooh. to his points. Why? Wow. Because it's Kiss. I like these songs. I mean, come on, this, this that's like I said at the beginning of the show. These songs and this album, like there were some of the bigger reasons that we are Kiss fans. Nothing to lose is fun. It's like bit off of revenge to me you know what i mean it's a oh, fun tongue, tongue <laughs> you had your turn it's a fun <laughs> tongue in cheek you know you know kiss song kiss song is supposed to be a little dirty and a little edgy and that's what nothing to lose is and again being 10 years old walking around singing nothing to lose having no idea what it freaking means you know and when we do plaster caster i did the same thing with that too you know walking around i had no idea what it means you know grab a hold of me faster i had no idea what the hell they're talking about but and it wasn't and somebody said that in the comments too i had no idea what it was for a long time neither did i and i, I guess it's because i'm naive too but <laughs> but but it's kiss at the end of the day and it's you know it's it's just a fun kiss song talking about sex and that's what kiss is so mm, yeah. nothing to lose is it ranks high for me because it's what a kiss song is to me um and then the peter chris um singing it gives, gives it a, you know a, a different kind of edge as well and the and and, and you know the and the gene vote and the gene vocals at the beginning and ace's guitar i mean what's not to like so yeah i ranked it high yeah, talk about lyrics not to sing all out in public. I was out on a walk today wearing <laughs> yeah. my noise-canceling headphones, and Singing I suddenly was 
I was getting some rather strange looks, and I was singing along to Guns N' Roses, It's So Easy. There you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that wasn't going down too well. All right, moving on to Firehouse. Uh, Mark, you, again, have, have these. This is a meh song, according to your numbers here. Okay. <laughs> here we go. I, I I understand that Firehouse is one of those songs that is iconic to many people because it is the fire-breathing song for Gene at the end of the song. Okay, mm. For many, many years, it's been that. But again, this song, if it was any slower, I think it would have came to a complete stop. You know, it was, it's so slow on this album. It's unbelievable. And the guitar sound is just not good on here. And ly- lyrically... I don't know. I get the firehouse. I mean, come on. It's just, it, I just think the lyrical <laughs> content is just, it's just weak. This is Paul at his weakest lyric writing wise, I think on here. So, and, 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 and Hey, look, when I was 16, I wasn't writing gems either. Okay. I'll, I'll give, I'll say that too. And we all know that this is a very early song for Paul. I think he had this for really early. So I mean, I can't really knock it too much because I, when I was 17, 16, 17, I was writing pretty garbage material too. So I'll, I'll just, you know, but my songs were made on a record like this. So hats off to Paul. Yeah. And he, I think he was 18 when he wrote this. There's two songs that date from the same age on this. No. Yeah. Two, uh, which is absolutely amazing. I I'm again, you know, I'm not a fan of this song either. My notes are what they always are. It's plodding. Mm, it lacks yes. energy. It's just turgid, and I've just never been a big fan of Firehouse. Um, Ken and Lonnie ranked this the same, but um, not particularly highly either. Lonnie, you go first. No, I'm a little lower on this one than I am some of the others. Um, I like the lyrics of Firehouse. Um, personally, I, I think it's 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 catchy and, it, and it's fun. Again, the lyrics are good, um, but it is plotting and and slower on the debut album where, you know, if I'm going to listen to firehouse, I grab a copy of a live and I, and I throw that on. It's immensely better on a live than it is um, on the debut album. Ted mentioned Eddie Kramer at the jump of the show. I would have liked to have seen what we could have gotten from a studio, you know, version of a firehouse with Eddie Kramer and had it been sped up and sound more like it does on a live than it does here, you know, it's it's good. Um, I, I still like it, and and it was a staple for the longest time. And I think it took them till about two thousand three or so. Like, oh, you know what? Gene can breathe fire without us playing Firehouse. It took them a long time to, <laughs> yeah. a long time yeah. to figure that out. <laughs> um, but I think we're glad that they did. You know, and they they it just like God of Thunder. It took them a long time to figure out that hey, you can drill blood without singing God of Thunder. But, mm-hmm. Um. So I think it's um it it's fine. It's good. Um not as high as the other ones, but still I mean, you know, lyric and Mark mentioned lyric wise get the firehouse. Hey, no, I know it's not it's not Axel Rose writing November Rain or anything like that, but it's <laughs> you know, it's it, it can still be fun. Yeah. Can. Yeah, like Lonnie has middle of the road, three of five, three of five, uh, for melody and lyrics, I think. And uh yeah, the one thing, the great thing about that song, though, on the debut record is I used to crank that up 
with the you know if you cranked it up you really that bass would be booming out of your speakers i was just like man that's so good but yeah it, it needed to be a little bit faster i don't know why the producers didn't say hey why don't you know let's let's make this a little bit more uh upper tempo you know versus what it you know was i think they may have actually slowed it down uh, versus the right versus the demos um so i i don't get it uh i think that's a production mess you know screw up uh, as far as i th- i don't think gene or paul or whatever said oh let's slow it down i i doubt it unless they said to slow it down to fill the time on each side of the album in order to get meet the 30 minute you know whatever cutoff that needs uh, album needs to be. That's why they I think they had the droning at the end of the darn uh, Black Diamond too. But anyway, so oddly, Firehouse is our lowest rank song, uh, other than you know the instrumental, which isn't a song as such, <laughs> um, on the album, which is kind of weird to consider. All right, Cold Gin, yeah. Ace Frehley's first, you know, songwriting contribution to the um, to the band, and I have to start. I rank this the lowest. This is just yeah, a, met, wow. a, a met across Ooh. the board for me. Again, much for the same reasons as Firehouse. It's a it's a cool enough riff. You hate it, but there's just not a lot going on on the album version. Again, everything changes with a live, and as someone pointed out in the comments, some of the remixes on Double Platinum, everything changes there. But Cold Gin has just been one of those songs that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, let's get to something a little bit, you know, more upbeat. Um, so the rest of you are tied, you know, on 21 points. Uh, you know, you got there in different ways. But uh, Lonnie, Colgin. Colgin, uh, I love I love the melody and I love the guitar riff. And, you know, there, there's no denying that, you know, Ace came up with, with a great little riff that, that came into the song. And, it, you know, it's it's something that they've they've always played. And it's fun it's good but it it kind of fall it i don't know it's it's not as good as some of the other ones you know what i mean it's and i and i, I kind of I, but i didn't want to compare them if we, we've done these album focuses in the in the past we're kind of ranking songs versus the other where in this exercise we were kind of taking them for for themselves and and looking at the song by itself as opposed to comparing it to to another yeah. track on the album but cold gin's good but it, it does fall short in some areas especially on on this on on the album itself you know it, it is it is kind of plotting again like i said with firehouse if i'm if i'm going to go listen to cold gin i go i go grab a live i don't go put in the first album you know it's it's good but it, it, I, I think it could have been better Okay. Yeah, well, it's, you know, I think I like the lyrics more than the melody on this one. Uh, I, I just kind of like that subject matter, you know, you kind of picture it in your mind and, you know, heater's broke, he's so tired, has to go out, you know, landlord's gone and all that, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it was just interesting uh, lyrics. And it's the first one by Ace, you know, so I kind of, I've always liked that. It's a great contribution on the first album by Ace. Uh, and, you know, Gene, of course, came up with that middle part um, of the song, and which is a cool little thing that, you know, 
it always worked well in concert. Um, so yeah, I always liked the song. It's it's not a perfect song, but it's a it's a real good song still. Okay, Mark. Yeah, I, I like the song. I mean, as a guitar player, I've always thought the riff was pretty cool. Uh, lyrically, it's it's okay. It's like it's middle of the road. This one, I mean, at least this one kind of has like a, you know, like kind of like what Ken was hinting at. It has a kind of a, a the, the common man story to it. You know, getting home from work. You know, you know, needing some inspiration after a rough day, kind of thing. So I, I kind of understand it from that point of view. Uh, yeah, and I, I've, I've always I've always liked this song. I mean, yes, of course, it's it. This also does suffer from the sort of, you know, guys, let's play this a little bit slower this time production. Uh, but other than that, I think the song overall is pretty mem- pretty memorable. And actually, an interesting thing, back in the day, when I was uh, you know getting into music, I actually bought a cassette version of this album, and. Stupidly, after I had bought it, I ended up giving away a bunch of my cassettes to my nephew years later, and realized that I gave away a—I don't think it's anything super valuable—but it was that Canadian version that had gold gin on the on the credits instead of cold oh, gin yeah. on there. That's right. So I, I stupidly gave that away. I mean, I put you know just for you know memorabilia purposes, I would have probably kept that version of it but yeah that's always kind of stuck in my mind the gold gin thing there but yeah i I like this song you know all right one of my favorite songs on the album is up next let me know um mark we're going back to you to start you like this the least yeah i don't know to me this just seems like a little like (laughs) i don't know it's it's pretty basic. Again, I, I kind of see this as being, you know, and it is probably one of Paul's early songs again, if I'm not mistaken. You know, I think, isn't this yep. the one that he, he showed Gene, right? When they Sunday first Driver. Sunday Driver. Yeah. yeah. So, and I mean, and that's, I, I think musically it's not that bad. I mean, it's it's simple kind of 12 bar basic blues kind of idea to it. But uh, the lyrics never really got to me with the whole, let me be your Sunday driver. That whole bit, I was like, ugh. But you know, but I'll tell you one thing though. This did go up overall in my overall rankings after I heard Julian's fantastic song thing that he did about this done in the season three here, where he, we talked about this song. And there's a great live version that you put at the end of the episode of them playing this, where they kind of extend the end part. Let me let mm-hmm. me know. And they all do the clapping bit and all that. I thought that that version of it really, you know, boosted in my eyes. Uh, that that version if they would have did a version like that on the record i think i would have liked it a hell of a lot more yeah those song stories did not work out for 12 days of christmas that was too much content even at 15 minutes of pop for people to digest and for they were great man. i loved it they're good that's uh that's done and over with ken you ha- you're next up yeah uh i like it it's a really good song and i agree with Mark that I think it would have been even better had they done it like the live version uh, where they extend the let me know chant. Um, Cause I really like that. I, I don't know why they didn't do that more in concert. It really should have, you know, brought it back here and there, you know, down the road. I, th- I think, I don't know. It's a really cool song. Um, it's different. It's not your standard, uh, you know, type of kiss song but it's really still really good and uh has a good melody so i like it um i think i ranked it somewhere in the middle of the road but it's 
it's good. It's not great, but it's no, really you, good. G- you gave it 24 points, which was pretty know, good. More, more than double what Mark gave it, and Lonnie likes it even more. <laughs> Lonnie. So there you go. I like Let Me Know, and I've talked about it on the show quite a bit, how much I enjoy <laughs> the song. I think it's I think it's actually very underrated. I, I wish they would have um, played it mm-hmm. more throughout their career instead of burying it very early on. Um, maybe it's just because I, I like songs where where Gene and Paul kind of trade off a little bit and you kind of, you get to hear both of those key members of of the band um, in the same song. Um, And and I think Ace, Ace's solo is great on it too. Just, you really, you really get that classic kiss sound and, and vibe from, from the album. And you hear how well the four, the four of them just, just play together on it. Um, I, I, it's one of my more, I, you said I ranked it higher than you can. I, it's one of my more favorite songs on the album. It really, really, truly is. I mean, I ranked it high. I gave it more points at the end of the day than than Nothing to Lose or or even Strutter. I, um, if you probably ask me my top five favorite Kiss songs, I probably, I probably throw it in there. Wow. It was one of five perfect songs on this album for me. So. Um, <laughs> Again, nice. it goes it goes perfectly with the Beatlesque har- artwork, with the you know harmonies and yeah. the pop perfection. You know, while John Lennon might call it granny music, um, it's really tasty <laughs> pop music. So I love it. It's a head bopper. It's a you know it's a positive upbeat song. And let's move on to Deuce. And I'm very embarrassed to announce that Deuce was ranked least by Mr. Gene Simmons fan number one on the panel himself, Ken. <laughs> I, 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 explaining I ranked it the least? No way. Yes. Wow. Gave least. it fewer points than mine. Well, I still gave it. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah, I gave it, what, four out of four out of Right, four out of five. I mean, come on. That's, that's pretty darn good. I think I dinged it on uh, the... The production of it. I mean, I had to be honest. I mean, I, live, I give it a five of five. You know, five um, lyrics. Uh, it's it's a four. It's not a perfect. You know, get your grandma out of here. It's like, you know what? Um, but it's it's a really really great song in concert. It's just it's not as great and thick sounding. You know, on the Kiss album itself, it's. There's the production that that hurt it that you know for me at least, uh, but yeah, it's one of their best songs. I agree, uh, but just because it's one of the best songs, I'm not going to give it perfect on uh, underproduced version of it. <laughs> no, and I'm, I'm I'm busting on you a bit. There I know, because, you right. know, a perfect score is thirty and twenty four is really close when it when it comes to Mark giving eight points in total to a couple of songs. Uh, Mark, you're up next. <laughs> Yes, and uh, I gave it a twenty-seven. So yeah. there, there you go. Uh, now, for me, I, I I love this song. I think the song has been great. I mean, I, I've covered it in my a couple of my bands. We used to play it live all the time. Uh, so it's it's great. Uh, the thing with this song, the only reason why I think it wouldn't have been almost a perfect score for me, is just the lyrics. That like again, what Ken said kind of stick stuck out to me too. Get your get up and get your grandma out of here. Like for, for when I first heard that line, I'm like, 
first of all, where are you, and why is your grandma there with you? That's the thing I don't understand. Well, why would you need her to get out the hell out of need more information. Yeah, yeah why, well, why is she there? Where, where, where are you going? Like, where did you go <laughs> that you need to toss your grandma out, you know? And who brings your grandma to somewhere that you need to toss her from? I, mean, I don't know. And and then also, the whole thing is, what is what is the deuce? What, what's the deuce? I was like, like in Canada, sometimes you talk about a deuce as a turd, right? I went and took it number two, a deuce, you know? But, but I mean, I don't think that's what he's talking about in the song, but I've never understood what that means. You know, I, I, that's one thing I wish that Gino would really clarify. What is that, you know? He doesn't even know, I don't think. <laughs> that's right. No knocking boots. Exactly. That's well, why would you bring your grandma somewhere where you have a hot chick? Oh, well, that's why you yeah. have to go to the grandma to get the grandma out of the air because he got nothing to lose. That's why she's got to go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Lonnie. Well, you guys have the you rank, you rank, You're ranking this one perfectly with me. So, Lonnie. I am. It's Deuce. It's one of the reasons why we're sitting here right now is because of Deuce. Come on. Um, I'm actually really disappointed in Ken not giving it a perfect score. <laughs> one, one of Gene's signature tracks. See, um, I'm not all Gene all the time. You know, again, again, the lyrics they're they're not deep meaning. I'm not going to sit that. I'm 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 not sitting down and dissecting these lyrics like, oh my gosh, what does Gene mean there? No, I don't care. It doesn't have to have deep meaning at every turn. It's, it's rock and roll. It doesn't have to be. You know, they're not kiss. Aren't deep thinkers anyway? I mean, they're it's fun rock That's and roll true. music. They're not. None, none, none of the none of their kiss songs are like deep thinking. <laughs> where's the where's the hidden meaning in this kiss song? It's it, kiss songs are fun, um, and that's mm. what Deuce is. It's it's a fun track oh. with a great, <laughs> the great riff with a great oh melody and great lyrics, and you know, it's 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 signature. And what's not the like about it? So it's perfect. 30 out of 30. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect. Again, I'm not even going to justify everyone who's watched this show knows it's my all-time favorite Kiss song. Of course um, you're giving it. Yeah. yeah, of course I'm giving it perfect marks. Um, but I was screaming my head off twice in December when this was performed. You know, even when yeah. Gene was butchering the lyrics, uh, you know, <laughs> that's right. He did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, emotion yeah. at the moment, you know, that was probably the one moment I got emotional. Um, so let's move on. <laughs> Love theme from Kiss. Let, are we? Let's. We don't even need to waste any time. It got three <laughs> or four points. It's for me. It's filler, Lonnie. The throwaway. Yeah, absolutely filler. Yeah. Don't know why Mark. it's there. Never understood it. Yeah, it could have been take it or leave it. Yep. Can two words. Two words. Um, there you go. That was two words. Two words. Acrobat not. <laughs> all right let's uh just to keep things moving along hundred thousand years we're now into the super popular stuff um ken hundred thousand years you ranked the lowest i don't know why i did um lyrics i got you know that was interesting subject matter um the melody i think the melody i gave it a just a three out of five uh, because you know it's not really melodic. I wouldn't call it super melodic. So I gave it you know, a three. Um, though I still do, you know, I love the way that it starts off at the bass, uh, you know, at the beginning. And uh, again, the lyrics subject matter is interesting to me. Um, so I, oh, that's kind of different. But 
the melody is it's good, but it's not the best melody. I mean, you can compare it to great melodies of some songs that they've they've you know they have over their career. It's it's not you know not as good, but it's it's a good song. Um, even though I didn't write it, you know, perfect. Mark. Yeah, I, I love this song. I always think thought that this song was really cool. Uh, from early on, I was I was immediately attracted to it. But that even just with that simplistic bass beginning when it started, I was like, "Oh, what's this?" And I I really liked it. And I have to say that this song contains probably one of Ace Frehley's best guitar solos that he's done on a record. I really liked this guitar solo. It's it's something that it's a little bit more trickier of his guitar solos on this record, because a lot of the stuff on here is just a lot of dare, 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 like bending the same note a hundred times. But on this song, he does a lot of, you know, there's a lot of little, you know, notating things in here that he does a lot, you know, more trickier stuff in. I really, I really like this song. I think that it's a great song. And it also, you know, when, when they did it live too, I mean, this is one of my favorite one of my favorite versions of the song is the live version with the, with the drum solo included. I've always liked that version with the drum solo, but on the album, I think it's good. And lyrically, I, I've always thought that this is this is Paul kind of really stretching. I think you know, I think this is a topic that we, he doesn't really ever touch on ever again on a record. I don't think he's ever done space travel lyrics yeah. later on. He stayed in his freaking lane. Yeah, okay. unfortunately, but. You know, I mean, a couple, I don't know, one or two more songs with a little bit of a different topic would be interesting, but it's it's great, though, I think. All right, Lonnie, you really like it. I do like it. I think it's, it's a, again, it's another signature Kiss track. Um, really like the song. Really like Ace's solo on it. Really enjoy the melody and just the the, the riff of, of it. The lyrics are not, again, they're not perfect. I gave him a four out of five on lyrics. You know, it's it's fine. It's good. It's not deep thinking stuff again. But that's Kiss, and it's I I, I we talked about this during End of the Road with our conversations about that. That I, I think um, the way they came out of Psycho Circus into the end of Hundred Thousand Years really gave that song an injustice um, for mm-hmm. what it is. It's it's one of their more signature tracks. Um, like I remember seeing them on the reunion tour and they played hundred thousand years. You're like, yes, that's awesome that they're playing hundred thousand years. And then at the end, it's just kind of like, Oh, we're just going to throw this, that end part in there. Cause it's fun. When the flash pops go up is basically what it was. And that's, I think that's kind of given that you're, you cut out the beef of that song, which is, which is excellent. And one of, um, you know, a, a, a kiss signature track. So, um, one of my favorite songs on the album, um, so I ranked it high. It's another one that I gave perfect marks to. Wow! And I'm I'm sure we can you know bemoan the fact that the fourth verse was cut off the uh, album recording, and I'm I just I was like, why is it perfect to me? I was like, I, I I automatically gave it a perfect score. I'm like, now I have to justify that. And then I remembered the moment I bought a bass, the first song. Yeah. that I looked up a bass tab for to play for the first time on my very own bass was 100,000 years. And that says something because that bass line, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I never could do it any good, but, you know, just to get a little bit of the feel of the beginning, 
it's hearing it in concert also was an upsetting thing when they started combining half of it with half of Psycho Circus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was just the worst of two worlds and an absolute abomination to nature. It mm-hmm. was, you know, it was like gene splicing of the wrong sort. So <laughs> to a, a perfect song. All right, we've reached the very last song on the album, and we all say that this is perfect. I'll go first mm-hmm. so that you guys can have longer. Again, this is the second song that I ever heard by Kiss, you know, at February 1979 after getting off a plane. Black Diamond will always have a very, very important part in my history. And whenever I hear it, I get, you know, a bit whimsical. But I, the album version, the LP version, Let's be accurate with that. Very long fucking drone out drives me nuts. Lonnie. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic. The, the the soft intro into the hit it, which is the explosion of your eardrums. Um, it's it's Kiss at its finest. The two Ace Frehley guitar solos in the song. And it's, you know, one of the more underrated songs, not just by Kiss, but, you know, just underrated songs, period. You know, I think most Kiss fans will tell you how great Black Diamond is, while a lot of non-Kiss fans or even a casual Kiss fan who goes to a concert might not, who would have went to a Kiss concert, might not even know the song, period. And And that's a shame because it is so great and so good. And really just what kiss is all about so i i ranked it perfect um because and we were doing our 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 death match songs you know i have a good feeling black diamond is going to be there at least in the final four at a bare minimum because it is so, so good so george raises a point because the ending at the daisy on the live version is basically mimicked in the studio there's not that much difference between the two. One is approximate uh, approximation of the other, to, to my ears anyway. Ken, Black Diamond. Black word. Diamond. <laughs> yeah, Black Diamond my is my favorite Kiss song. Um, so I love everything about it. The, the mellow intro and then the kick in of it and then the, the great riff. Just a great, you know, one of their best riffs of, of many of their songs. Uh, and then getting into you know the Peter Chris vocals, which I love, um, and great guitar solo, and then the ending part where it's kind of counting down, going you know over and over, and uh, but then yeah, I I could have gave it a little you know nicked it on the score, but I didn't uh, for the droning you know end part where they should have just left it at normal speed. And ended it that way. Um, they didn't have to do the whatever, you know. The I, I don't. Again, another producer error in my opinion on that. But uh, yeah, it's one of their one of their greatest songs. Obviously, um, it's been played for almost all of their tours. Um, there's been a few they didn't do it on, but uh, for the most part, they've kept it in in there. And I love it every time I hear it. It doesn't matter which way live studio whatever it's it's great ken loves it loud love it loud <laughs> mark did i get you no nope. no nope. 
so yeah well i mean i'll keep it short this, this song is perfect i mean it's it is probably my my favorite kiss song uh and back in the day my dad had a turntable where you could take it out of 33 and put it in the middle and it would be like loose like almost like a neutral setting and i remember when i first heard this ending i was like why is it slow and so i, I actually put it in the neutral there and tried to speed it up to hear what they were doing like bringing it back up to tempo and it took a while because you were like trying to get it faster and faster yeah. but there's like an interesting little drum fill that peter does in there near the very mm-hmm. very end of it it's like a in there like i always wondered why they didn't leave some of it in there like sure i mean they were trying to go for effect some dramatic ending to it right mm-hmm. but you know it just if, if that wasn't in there it would be like six out of five you know but even with that ending i still still think it's a five mm-hmm. out of five all right so rankings for this album um We'll just count down the songs and their points from least favorite to most favorite. Um, in ninth place with a grand total of 14 points, Love Theme from Kiss. In eighth place with 56 points, Firehouse. Um, in seventh place on 62 points, Nothing to Lose. In sixth place on 71 points, Cold Gin. In fifth place on 91 points, Let Me Know. Fourth place on 99, Strutter. Third place on 102, 100,000 years. Um, in second place, 111 points, Deuce, meaning that our favorite song on the album on a perfect 120 points is Black Diamond. <laughs> and just so that people know, Mark ranked the album 52.89 points overall, followed by Ken on 59.44. Me on 62.66, and Lonnie is the real Kiss fan, ranking at 67.67. Lonnie wins the episode. Congratulations, Lonnie. You collect your prize at the door. Fighting. I want to thank everyone for joining us. I mean, what are your favorite songs, and do any of our opinions actually tie in with yours, or are we complete weirdos and Kiss nerds? I'm, I'm sure everyone who's joined us disagrees today with how we've ranked it because you know what? Your ranking is right. Our rankings don't matter a damn to you. You're, you're, you are absolutely right that our rankings suck. You go listen to it and enjoy the songs that you want to enjoy. Just make sure that you're enjoying it on February the 8th, not February the 18th, because if not, you're a loser. Right? <laughs> now, any day of the week, any Kiss album, it doesn't fucking matter. It's Kiss's world. We just rent space in it for a while. Um, thank you for joining us today from Lonnie from Mark, Ken and myself and my headphones. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the Kiss FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.